0: We kicked off our 40 days of prayer, and uh, we had about 44 come on spring break. I was just uh, tickled to see that uh, good number come out. We have another prayer service tonight at 5. We're keeping those to an hour. Part of the prayer service will be in here. Part of it will be in the prayer room. Some of our home groups will be having special prayer at their home groups so that they can keep meeting during this time, and uh, we'll be supporting prayer in the church that way. We're glad to have you here. I want you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. If you didn't figure it out from the worship service, we're talking about prayer. Ask, seek, and knock today, and it's not as simple as it looks. I begin today with just simply telling you about um, a couple and uh, their relationship to their children Three daughters who had, which produced three son-in-laws when they were married. This morning in our first service, we were celebrating with someone with fifty-nine years of marriage. Isn't that awesome? Fifty-nine years of marriage to the same two people. Awesome! huh? amen. Uh, that's awesome. Just a great testimony. Well, in this case, the uh, motherhood, the mother-in-law was trying to test out her boys. three son-in-laws and she was trying to see where they were and they had a little area not very far from the house that she would go walk and exercise each day and did some prayer walking and so forth but on this particular day she took the first son-in-law she walked with him she acted like she was tripping and went over into the lake and he jumps in with wallet cell phone and all rescues his mother-in-law and everything is good. Gets her up on the shore. The next day at his house, in his driveway, showed up a brand new E-Class Mercedes. And on the note, on the Mercedes, it said these words. I love you, son-in-law. Thank you for what you did yesterday. I know you're loyal. God bless you, and you love your mother-in-law. He, she told him not to tell anything. Second son-in-law. Couple days later, walking around the lake, exercising, wanted to talk to him. She acts like she's stumbling again, falls in. Now, this son-in-law was a little bit smarter. He'd been married to his her daughter-in-law a little bit longer. Took his wallet, his full fo- cell phone, threw it on the shore, but dived in and saved his mother-in-law. <clears throat> Things were great. Next day, at his house, shows up in the driveway, a brand new E-class. Mercedes. And again, same note, thank you so much, son-in-law, for saving me. I know you love me. I want to tell you I love you, and it is, it is, it is wonderful having you in the family. A couple of days later, the most recent son-in-law is walking with her. She does the same routine again, stumbles, and then goes over in the lake. He panics. He's standing there, and he doesn't know what to do. He starts to run to his car, And then he decides, oh, I got my cell phone. He calls 911, runs back to the lake, and she's floating in the lake, and she is drowned. It's too late. Next day, in his driveway is a brand-new Bentley. And on the car is this note. Thank you so much for what you have done. You are a loyal son-in-law. Thank you, your father-in-law. Now, here's the point. Don't miss this part, all right? I had some ladies come get me after the service and said, that joke was just wrong. Here's what's so important. The Bible tells us to ask the Father, to ask the Father, amen? The Heavenly Father, that it's our job to ask Him in our relationship with Him and to talk to the Father. And I want you to look with me in Scripture today at Matthew chapter 7, And I want you to hear part of what Jesus said in this passage in Matthew 7 today. And let's all stand. I want to read a portion of this this passage. And it's such a simple passage, but yet it's profound because we're looking at not just asking, seeking, and knocking. God is going to tell us, as we study this a little bit this morning, what is the difference between asking, seeking, and knocking. And you'll find that there are heightened forms of prayers. And I want you to see that with me this morning. It says in verse 7, Jesus is my reference. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Read on with me. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, gives him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you give him a snake? If you, then though you are evil, that's the complimentary section of the passage, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Let's pray together. Father, teach us. By the power of your Spirit, show us. Illuminate our hearts and our minds to see what you're saying here that we would live this out, that we would be people that are asking, seeking, and knocking. And Lord, we pray for the kingdom's sake and for our very lives to be enriched to the fullest that they can be, that we would all be askers, seekers, and knockers. And Father, may we do that today in the simplicity of this language and also the complexity of the heightened states of prayer that we're reading about today teach us, Father, to really pull this into our heart, and I pray that we would also live it out, and we ask it in Christ's name, amen. Not long ago, I came across a poem that I thought was worth sharing today, it's a pretty contemporary poem, and it's simply entitled, Into the Day, and I think we're all guilty of this at times, Into the Day. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish, I didn't have time to pray. Trouble just tumbled about me, and heavier came each, each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered, and he answered, you didn't ask. I tried to come into your presence. I used all the keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chied, why, child, you didn't knock. I wanted to see what joy and beauty the day would, uh, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I called on the Lord for the reason, and he said, you didn't seek. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering my day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. I want to tell you something. So many of us are guilty of letting that wonderful discipline And wonderful communication with God, go and not spend time with Him. I I used to be an evening devotion person. Somehow the pastorate converted me to being a morning uh, devotional person. I just got so much to do, and I've got so many things that I need to cover with the Lord. I need that time in the morning to be there for me with Him. And I want to encourage you to just pray as you go all throughout your day. Now here's some stuff that's really interesting about this passage. And allow me to use a little bit of Greek with you this morning because I want you to catch what it is that he's saying. If you read it in the surface of just ask, seek, and knock, you may not get this. But I wanted to share this with you. There's three verbs here in verse 7. You read them with me this morning, ask, seek, and knock. You read those and we get the simplicity of this. But here's something that you may not pick up from just basic reading. There are basically two kinds of imperatives. You're looking at imperatives in this passage in the Greek text. One is simply the aorist imperative, which is a command to do a particular thing at a particular time. That would be a set time, set request, so forth. Uh, Another uh, imperative that he has, and this is the other form, is a present tense imperative. Now, the reason that's important is that's what this is written in. That's what it is given to us in. So it is a perpetual asking, seeking, and knocking. You follow me? It's not something that's for this particular request. It is one that's ongoing. It's one to be done all the time in your walk with Jesus. As you follow him as a Christ follower, you're to perpetually be asking, perpetually to be seeking, perpetually to be knocking. And you're going to see that these are heightening effects of prayer, types of prayer. And I want you to see that with me this morning. So these three verb tenses, ask, seek, and knock, knock, are in this imperative of present tense, and therefore they're to be perpetual in our lives. We don't ever quit asking. We don't ever quit seeking. We don't ever quit knocking. Church family, it's so important you grab that this morning or you'll miss what's here for us In God's Word. I want you to see with me that it's just really important. When we talk about asking, we're talking about that you literally ask God for something. You may not be clear about it. You may have a request. You may have a need. It may be something you want, but you're asking for that uh, specified thing. You're also, in the place of seeking, it's at a different level of prayer. You're not just asking Sometimes we doubt when we're in the darkness, don't we? We don't have an answer, and it's something we're struggling with. And he's talking to us like in Romans chapter 8, and here's what it says. If you're going to memorize scriptures and you're going to memorize certain scriptures, there's, there are several passages I would encourage you to take in. I would, I would memorize all of John 3 that I could. Uh, I would memorize, uh, there are so many psalms that are just so, so incredible. Uh, I, would, I would memorize Ephesians chapter 2. I would memorize Romans chapter 8. And that's quite a task. Because well, There's about 40 verses there. But Romans 8 is so packed full of incredible things. I want you to see something that's in verse 26. In verse 26 it says, The Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever been where you don't know how you should pray about something? Boy, I have. I've been there many times. I've been there many times where I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray, how to pray about this. And many times the Lord will guide us if we'll simply seek Him. And we'll continue to knock if we ask, seek, and knock. But in this passage, listen to this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says this. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that lives in you, because you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and he's taken up residence in you. Listen to this. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for us for the saints according to the will of God. Isn't that incredible? Back when I was a a young pastor, we had two kids. We had Brittany, who's here today, and she was two years old. And we had our daughter Jordan had just arrived. She's two months old. We went to Kimma's class reunion. 10 year. All right. And we were there and our little girl was sick. And we knew she was sick but we didn't we just thought she had a bug, you know, babies get sick. But uh she's just lethargic. And lo and behold, we took her to the ER and found out that her kidneys had shut down. She had hemolytic uremic syndrome. They didn't even know what to do. The doctor told us, I've never seen electrolytes in a living child. Or any person this bad. So we were gonna fly to Lexington. That's back where we lived. Lexington, Kentucky, we lived in, in Harrodsburg. It's a bedroom community there. And we were gonna go back there. We were in West Virginia. The weather was so bad, they couldn't fly. The helicopter couldn't fly. So here we are in West Virginia, and you'd have to be there on the roads to know what we were doing. We're going 90 to 100 miles an hour back to Lexington, a trip that normally takes about three and a half to 4 hours. It took us two. And they wouldn't let me in the ambulance. Mama was in the ambulance and a nurse, a nurse out of our home church that I used to have in the youth department when I was a youth pastor. God just shows up in all kinds of ways, doesn't he? We got to the hospital. We found out what the condition was. They told us she would have to have surgery the next that her kidneys were shut down, Her her other organs would shut down, and most importantly, her heart would be next. Well, you can't live without your heart, can you? Well, by the time that all took place, there were over 90 people from our church about 30 miles away that were in the foyer of the hospital taking turns coming in and seeing us. By that time, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law had gotten there, and it got time to pray. And I'm a pastor. Pastor. But this is my baby. And they're getting ready to take her in so she can start having dialysis. And uh, I walked over to her. I put my hands on her little two-year-old body. And I started trying to pray. And you know what happened? Nothing. I could not verbalize a prayer over my own child. I was so broken in my spirit. And all that came out was just grunts and groans, weeping. My father-in-law stepped forward, put his arm on my back, and said, I got this. We got you. I'm going to cry now, like I did then. And he prayed this incredible prayer over his daughter, his his great-granddaughter. Are the folks who were around us and just huddled around us? And I want to tell you something our daughter went to surgery, everything was fine. Ten days later, bam, the kidneys kicked in. And they left the equipment there for us to, to take care of her. Many of you have to have a kidney transplant. She is over 30, that's all I'll say, <laughs> since she's here today. And she hasn't had one problem. God healed her. God healed her. Yeah, amen. I'm walking to the surgery. Kim and I are holding hands. We're crying. This is our baby. At that time, we just had two. We didn't know God's going to bless us with a couple more. We were walking down that corridor, that hallway, and the Spirit of God hit me with this. You just saw Romans 8, 26, lived out. Pastor boy, it was your dad, your father-in-law that prayed for you. But I'm always praying for you. When you don't know how to pray, when you can't pray. I've been in moments where I couldn't pray. I'm just being honest with you. I could not verbalize. And when I tried to verbalize, that's when I knew I couldn't pray out loud. I'm praying in my spirit, but I... listen. Here's the promise of God. The spirit of God is so incredibly powerful in every one of our lives. When you don't know how to pray, the holy spirit of God prays according to the will of God for you. Is that not incredible? It is incredible, isn't it? That he's covering you. He's got you. Even when we don't know how to pray or we're in those moments that were so heavy, it's so hard to pray. And I didn't even know, here I am a pastor. I'm 25 years old, but I am a pastor and I'm trying to be spiritual dad, spiritual husband, and pastor to those people. But this was my little girl on the table. It just ripped my heart out. And every time I tried to verbalize, I, I could not. That's how heavy and broken I was. That's what God's talking about here. Then he moves to the category of knocking. And knocking is here denotes entrance, entrance into God's fellowship. It's into inner inner fellowship and inner connection and also just that you're persistent like that little boy. He's going to play quarterback, wasn't he? He wasn't going to let it go. Just like that lady we talked about last week in Luke chapter 18. She was not going to let it go. Do you remember what that guy said, the, the judge? He said, I am going to give that woman what she wants because she's driving me crazy. Listen, God doesn't get crazy. You can't make God crazy, even though some of us have tried. You cannot make God crazy. His character is above all that. He's not like us that way. He's patient and long-suffering, and He is God. And you can't wear Him out with your inconsistencies he doesn't like it he wants you to be consistent doesn't he but it's important for us to realize that so the imagery here is this thing of coming and first we ask don't we those are very known to us we're asking what we know to ask that seeking is when maybe you don't know the will of god it's a deepening form of prayer and level of talking to the father and then he talks to us about this same thing where we're coming to the place that uh, we hear this truth. So I want to bring out three truths that just kind of, I want to just drive this home to you about what God the Father is telling us through his son, Jesus Christ, in this passage. Number one, here's a biblical truth that you can take out the door and you can live this passage by this. And here it is. God the Father expects to be asked. He expects us to ask him. You follow me? If you don't ask him, you're missing out. And the Bible is very clear about that. Ask and it will be what? It will be given to you. James chapter 4, verse 2 says this in the reverse. It's the other way around. In that passage, James 4, verse 2 says, You do not have because you do not what? Ask, so is it possible that I go without blessings? Is it possible that I go without things and supply in my life as a Christian and even in my physical life and in other aspects, my emotional life? Are there things that just don't happen because I don't pray? I don't ask? You better believe that's extremely possible and most likely probable in your life. He tells us to ask, don't those words describe the church today? You think? You think the church is failing to ask and be really prayer participants with the Father in their life and for the kingdom's work here upon the earth? I want you to hear something. This was written in 1955 by R.A. Torrey. It's at the end of his life, and he is really really bothered about the culture of prayer in the church. And this is, what year did I say? 1955. I want you to see if you think this could be about the church today. Listen. We do not live in a praying age, he writes. We live in an age of hustle and bustle, of man's efforts and man's determinations and of man's confidence in himself and in his own power to achieve things, An age of human organization, of human machinery, of human push, of human scheming, and human achievement, which in the things of God mean no real achievement at all. Could that have been written today? It was written, I mean, just count the years up, 1955. Man, we're talking about a long time ago. That was spoken about the age, the culture, already slipping, even back in the 50s that was being recognized. Here's a second truth. God the Father expects to be asked. Asked by who? By you. He expects to be asked about everything that's going on in your life. Second of all, God the Father, He does hear and He does answer our prayers. He does hear and he does answer our prayers. You know what makes me more hopeful than anything that's going on at the Oaks? It's not the vision that we've been working on, and you're going to start seeing some outward signs of some of the vision even this week. You'll hear more about it at the end of the service. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, God the Father does hear and answer prayer. I'm excited about the number of people that are committing to pray in these 40 days. That's exciting to me. This past week in our church, I know of just in ministry I've been involved in of three different healings people have experienced. I'm talking about real deal healings. Prayed over a couple more this morning in the first service. I want to tell you something. When God God is showing up in those kinds of ways, watch out because he's on the move. He's doing things. And it's just an important thing to see that. And I want to tell you something. We have just seen some of those that have been happening here of late. So he, he's, he's on the way. He is flat out on the way. And God the Father, listen to verse 8. For everyone who asks, what do they get? They receive. And he who seeks, what do they have? What they find? And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Open. And when the door's open, you get to do what? You get to go through that opportunity, don't you? And as I talked about, it has to do with some several things, but here's a couple things you can count on with God. God hears our prayers. There's a few things in the Bible that list that interrupt our prayer life. One of them is found in Psalm 66, verse 18 and 19. It says, if I've cherished sin in my heart, if I don't stay clean before God, now you're Positionally, you're clean, right? Because you've been justified, amen? And you're in the process of being sanctified, right? That's salvation that's continual, that you're being more and more like Jesus. And one day, you're going to be all that you were ever meant to be. You're going to be fully holy, fully everything, and God is going to have you be glorified. And that's the process of salvation. All those things are going on. See, I'm saved, past tense, from what I've done in the past, I'm being saved in my present tense and then I'm becoming more and more like the sun in sanctification. And then there's the future tense that I'm going to be one day glorified and whatever I fail to do down here, one day I'm going to arrive. You have an imperfect pastor. Did you know that? I think I've been around here long enough that you, most of you are in on that one, right? If you don't believe me... Ask my wife and children. They love to confess my sins. They will tell you how, how, how much a failure I can be at times. And I'm just being real about that. That's all of our stories, isn't it? I mean, Paul, if Paul can say what I, what I should do, I don't, and what I shouldn't do, that's the very thing I do, and he's this one used by God in such an... If he can confess that, I sure am in line too. Amen. I mean, we're like that. We're fallen creatures. We, we, uh, what, what's in us? And when we are obedient to the Lord, that's where we can succeed. I was quoting this the other night in, in uh, our prayer meeting. That you know, the Bible says that men and women, husbands and wives, can have their prayers hindered by not being in proper alignment and relationship with each other, letting bitterness build up. Those types of things. Read First Peter chapter chapter uh, five, verse eight. And he'll say, do this because you don't want your prayers hindered. See, there's things that we can do that cause us to be hindered in those ways. Here's what's really important. God hears our prayers. Don't let sin go unconfessed. Don't let those things pile up in your life so that that hinders you. God answers prayer. Verse 8 literally reads, for everyone who asks, receives. Now, here's where we get into some things that we need to understand. God sometimes answers my prayer with a big old yes. And the ones that I love the most is when I pray something and immediately something happens. I just love that about God, don't you? And it seems like when you're an early Christian, he lets lets you have a lot of those. But then he's got this thing where he wants you to walk by faith. And sometimes as you mature in Christ, he might might say, no, no. My answer on that is just flat out no. And then sometimes he may say, I'm working in your life. You don't see it. You don't understand it. But I'm working in your life, and I'm not going to give the answer to this for some time. I'm developing you. It's those, it's those seeking and it's those knocking moments in our spiritual life where we keep looking for the answer, the solution. God hasn't given it yet. And there are other times that you know what God does with me? He'll take my prayer request and he'll go, nah, that's not what you need. Flips it around on me and says, you got, I got to change you here. This is not what you need. I need to change you to be more in the image of my very own son. And I'm telling you, all this happens in prayer. And it's all worth continuing to pray because he meets you because you ask. He meets you because you knock. He meets you because you you're seeking, you're knocking. He meets you there and he takes care of it. God the Father gives us, listen to this, please be careful to listen to this. God the Father gives us what we need at times and not just what we ask for. Let me explain that to you. All right, here's what he says. In the passage, we get this illustration about human parenting and how we're so capable of love and doing wonderful things for our children even though we're fallen, sinful creatures and we have the world system around us, we can still be good parents. And you can give your child good gifts. Here's the key in the language to understand this. Which of you, if his son asks for bread will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake. If you then know how, though, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Did you hear the conclusion? God's all about giving good gifts to His children, and He knows how to do it a lot better than we as parents that have been tainted by sin and God's given us a pat on the back. Parents know how to give good gifts to their children, right? They do. You read this passage, and here's what we learn. You know, you wouldn't give a child a red hot chili pepper, would you? I mean, you save that for the pastor when he shows up, and you make chili, and he's one of the judges in the contest. Amen? Amen. Only a few of you will get that joke, but that's, that's uh, to somebody sitting here, believe me. Fed me about four different kinds of peppers, and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk for about five minutes <clears throat> and, um, and laughed at me the whole time. You wouldn't do that to your child, would you? But God, in this passage, is telling us some things that we really need to pick up on. One of my favorite Bible teachers, I read him a lot, is John Stott. He's a brilliant scholar. I want you to hear something he wrote about this passage because I think he explains it well. He said, So then, if we ask for good things, he grants them. If we ask for things which are not good, and listen to how he describes what's not good for us, neither, either not good in themselves or not good for us or for others, directly or indirectly, immediately or ultimately, He denies them and only He knows the difference. There's stuff God knows. And He knows why He gave this to you and other times He he did not give it to you. He knows best. How many of you know, in the first service, I I told the folks that were in first service, I said, I watched a TV show when I was a little boy called only uh, Father Knows Best. Now most of you in this service are going to go, I've never heard of that TV show. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, here was my line for the folks in first service. I said, hey, I watched it in reruns and it was in black and white. I didn't see it when it was on. I saw it later on on Nick at Night or one one of those shows And Father Knows Best. You remember that show? Now, what was the theme of Father Knows Best? Help me, help me, help me, church. Now you might have to have a little age on you to admit this. I'm so young, I saw it in reruns. That's what I want you all all to know in this in this service. I saw this show in reruns. Father Knows Best. It was the, the theme of the show was always about the parents do know what they're talking about. These kids would get off base or in trouble a little bit and it was usually pretty mild and Father knew best. He knew how to bring it back. Do you know that that's true that the Father actually does know best for you and He sovereignly guides your life to where it needs to be and He keeps you in those parameters because these other things would hurt you or they would not produce fruit in you. And there's sometimes we just and and here's the here's the The bombshell of all. We don't know the difference. Only the Father knows the difference. Only Jesus and the Holy Spirit know the difference. There are things I don't need in my life, even though I really want them. There are things you don't need in your life, but you think you do. And God will redirect that to get you where He wants you to be. You keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll never fail. And he'll show you in time what was the difference there. It's so important that we do that. Hayden Robinson wrote this. Now, Hayden Robins, he, he's been this brilliant theologian, uh, was president of, of uh, the Conservative Baptist uh, Seminary in, in Denver for uh, many years. And he had some abnormal things about his face and about his, his body. And here's what he writes. But he's been just so used of God, and God didn't take those things away from him. Listen to this. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. He made me weak that I might obey. I asked God for health that I might do great things. He gave me grace that I might do even better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. He did not give them so that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel a need for God. I I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I have received very few of the things through all the years that I asked for, but I received the things that I had hoped for. Wow. Wow. That's, That's somebody that has suffered greatly and has seen God's mercy and His grace through all of his suffering. That is a very mature statement, isn't it? Listen to this. I want to close up with just these three thoughts. Keep asking, God hears. Keep asking, God hears. Second, keep seeking, you will find. You will find. And last of all, Keep knocking. God really is on the way in your life. He will show up. He's an on-time God, isn't He? And He'll show up and He'll show out. Whatever you need to have, He'll do that. I haven't talked about Jesus and His salvation, but today He's here. If you need Him, we invite you to come even this morning and repent of your sin and crown him as Lord of Lord and King of Kings in your life. Let him lead your life. He'll do something wonderful.